about 20 odd years ago, and uh, the numbers seem to go up the more I uh, think about it, about 20 odd years ago, uh, when I was in my, uh, my old job prior to training for the ministry, I attended a small, a very small, very specialist um, conference uh, on electronics in America. And on the last night of the conference, there was a banquet. And we sat at large round tables, probably about 10 of us to this uh, to each table. It had uh, white starched tablecloths and uh, lots of cutlery and lots of glasses too. And there was to be eight courses. And the, the first course came in and I knew it was going to be interesting. I knew it was going to be interesting because uh, the food that was placed down in the middle of the table for us to um, help ourselves to uh, as the starter um, came on this tiered silver dish. If you imagine something a bit like a giant cake stand. And on the top, the crowning glory on this plate or tower of plates was a transparent blob. And it was a transparent blob that had been cut into strands about the size of rather thick spaghetti. It was jellyfish. Who's eaten jellyfish? Many of you? Lots of shaking of it. Oh, Henderson, oh yeah, one or two. It was something I'd not expected. It was something I hadn't eaten before. It was something I haven't eaten again since. (laughs) That's it. It wasn't completely unpleasant. But maybe not quite my cup of tea. I think I would have gone for the macaroni cheese that was mentioned earlier, given free reign. It wasn't something I would have ordered. But then again, I wasn't footing the bill. I think that was picked up by the American taxpayers. The free feast that Isaiah refers to, the choicest, the richest of food is on offer, but it's not in a Chinese seafood restaurant. Now, in fact, although there's talk of the finest of fare, there's talk of water and of milk and of wine, much to feast on, This is all a metaphor for the offer of hope in God and that how he satisfies our greatest needs with what he will feed us with. 
come all who are thirsty. Being thirsty is the body's way of telling us that we're starting to suffer a little from dehydration. That we've not taken in the fluids that we need to. And the, the four groups of people that are most likely to seriously suffer with dehydration, with a real thirst, though maybe not always able to express it, start off with infants and babies. You know, for them to lose a little fluid is actually quite a lot in comparison to us. So a little bit of illness in a small child can have a a big impact. Another group is the opposite end of the age spectrum. Older people are sometimes unaware of that thirst, unaware of the need for fluid, of the need for a bit more water to drink. And it can put themselves out of balance. People with long-term health issues, particularly with the pancreas, have another group, those in ill health. And the fourth is those who expend a lot of energy through physical activity resulting in sweat. We nowadays, uh, if you were to look at the NHS website, they'd probably relate that to athletes. Though it's also those engaged in manual labour. In the time of Isaiah, it would have been those out in the field in the heat of the day. The call to the thirsty is going to those who would be the weak, the marginalised and the poor in society. Those who are thirsty. And the people who might have little or no money. The people that would not normally get the invitation to a feast, to a banquet, to come to buy. But here they are invited to come. To come and buy. But to buy without money and without cost. Now that doesn't particularly make sense to most of us, does it? On a normal day. You can't really buy without money. But then again, just a week or so ago, we were doing something outside, weren't we? We were handing out free hot chocolate on bonfire night to show something of God's love. 
See, something can be free when someone else is paying the cost. And here in Isaiah, it is the Lord that is footing the bill. The finest fare is on offer. And it's a feast on the true word. Something that will nourish. Something that will satisfy the hungriest. And those who don't normally get fed will be fed. And those who are used to rich food too will not be disappointed. This is a feast for all. The message. In fact, more than simply a message, the promise, the covenant, is that this is on offer for everyone. Everyone that is happy to come and accept the invitation, it's offered to them. And it's offered to them freely. But that doesn't mean it's got to be delivered to the door like a Sainsbury's van or Ocado or Gusto or any of those that might, depending on where you are on the price spectrum. It's not just got to suddenly appear. We have to do that bit of responding to the invitation. Some would have a universalist understanding of the scriptures. That in God's infinite loving gift of salvation through Christ, all are immediately saved. But actually in the Bible, in Old and New Testament... The salvation is by our faith. It requires us to make the choice. It's not by doing works. And not by an act of God that instantly forgives everyone in the entire world. The offer of forgiveness, the invitation of forgiveness, of new life, is given to all. But each individual must make their own decision. Verse 3 says, listen. Give ear. And it's a challenge to listen and hear that your soul may live. If you get on the plane to go on any journey, the flight attendants will do a demonstration at the start. 
They'll tell you what to do in the extremely unlikely event that there'll be a crash landing. And if you want to live, you have to listen. You have to discover where the life jacket is stored under the seat. How the oxygen mask will fall down from above. You listen and you discover what you have to do. You remind yourself. You go over it. You think about where that nearest exit is. You know you probably won't need it. But you're called to listen. We have to pay attention to the safety briefing that's here. We have to listen to God's word. We have to remember what we do when we go through difficulties in life, when things get bouncy and bumpy for us. That way our soul is saved. That way we can be sure of our safety. Verse 6 then tells us to seek the Lord while he may be found. There is a time that it's too late to pick up the safety instruction. If the cabin's full of smoke, you can't read it anymore. We have to say that Christ is Lord and gain eternal life. We have to do that before the opportunity has gone. We have to decide that this life is for me individually. And when we make that decision, that decision to be followers to truly feast on God's word and apply it in our lives. If we choose that, if that is our will, and if we are truthful, then simultaneously, subconsciously, at the same time as that decision to become a follower, we are making a decision to be a missionary. You see, the feast is for others too, not just us, not just me. I might like to go to the fridge, get myself a bowl of ice cream. But can you imagine if I did that and went into the living room and just sat there eating it while Noah and Faith were sat there? what would their response be? They might do that. They might help themselves to the ice cream. I kind of have to say, this is for you too. I have to get more bowls out. Don't I? That's it with our faith. It's not just for us. It's not something that we can hoard. 
and keep to ourselves. The Christian can't be greedy. The faithful response is to say, this is for me. And this is for everyone. It's for the world. And every time we commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to being in that family that has the good news, we commit ourselves to stepping out with that good news too. Surely you will summon nations you know not. Surely you'll share the word with people that you've never even heard of. You'll proclaim the greatness with all of your heart. Because it is a wonderful message. And it's so great you just need to share it. It's a message that's to go to the ends of the earth. To the tribes and peoples of the whole world will come to know God's love. And God's great power. Even though we don't know those people. Even though we don't know those individuals. We are to tell the story. And the spiritual spread of the kingdom will grow and grow and grow. David, with King David, that kingdom grew. And it grew as battles were fought. Physical battles. And a geographical kingdom expanded. In those battles, obviously, those people, there was loss of life in their thousands. There's a time where it speaks of uh, while Saul is still alive before David is king, of, of how he slays them in the tens of thousands. Taking land for the the kingdom. We don't do that today, do we? But we do fight spiritual battles. We do face struggles. We do face opposition. But instead of lives lost, there are lives that will be saved through the response to the word of God. The word goes out. It blesses. It brings forth wheat and flowers. Just like the rain. Beauty and nourishment. Together. Now, of course, when when we switch on our news last night or today we see the destructive power of rain 
We've seen what it's done in the Don Valley. Uh, maybe on the news today, something of Herefordshire. Across the country, bits of flooding. And can even you don't have to walk far out of the village to see fields round about that have also suffered from heavy rainfall. But we also need rainfall, as well as that destruction that it sometimes brings. We need that rain. And in the Bible, the, the rain and the snow is a blessing, particularly on the dry lands of the Holy Land. But we need that blessing too. We need that rain to see the plants grow. We need that rain to quench our thirst, to cleanse our clothes to wash our dishes that we've had our sumptuous feast in, to cleanse our bodies. We need that rainfall. And we need that other blessing that comes from God, his word, to strengthen us, to renew us, to reshape us. And as God's people, committed to him, renewed by him, inspired by his spirit, we're called to be a joyful people. Now, I know that at times I can be a wee bit doer. You know, I can. There might be times that I feel a bit like a grey rainy day, even if it's sun shining outside. Maybe we all do. But we are people who know that mountains and hills can burst forth into song. We are people that can imagine the trees clapping their hands and praising God. We are people that have been blessed in many, many ways. And yes, there will be times when we feel down. And there will be times that we sort of grumble and grouch about. But I hope that our hearts are such that we have a joy in there, a delight in there, from knowing the one true God. Knowing the God that cares for us. Who delights in who we are. And has given his own son for us.
why spend money on what is not bread? When we have the bread of life that is given to us for free. May we delight in everything that God has done for us. And may that delight be evident to all the people we meet. So that they too might come to know and take a seat at the heavenly banquet. The heavenly feast. The feast that's given freely with an invitation to all.